Welcome to our soundbite series on ESG in a project financing context. My name is Iesi Gehon. I am joined by my colleague Aileen Buchanan. And in this podcast, we will be digging deeper into ENSG diligence on project financings. So, Aileen, what would you say the role of ENSG diligence is in a project financing context? The main aim, as it is for due diligence in project financing is to help lenders and export credit agencies who are potentially going to be investing in the project to identify potential risks and issues that might come up and might be a concern um, and the potential materiality of each which in turn enables the parties to consider and agree how they're going to manage these environmental and social risks going forward through the life of the project and how they're going to allocate that risk, whether that's through the environment and social action plan or through provisions in the documents or in another way. Yes, I know that there are soft law international environmental and social standards, which we've touched on in our previous podcast. Do they have particular ENS due diligence requirements? Yes, they do. Um, so, so the standards that will apply in the particular project financing will depend on the lenders and the ECAs that are involved. Um, usually at a minimum, we would expect to see the equator principles um, applying for financing institutions that are signed up to them, and they are widely referred to as EPFIs. Also, the OECD common approaches on ENS due diligence um, will also be applied where you have um, ECAs involved in the financing. Um, we also see the IFC performance standards um, being applied to financings as well. And, and that's sometimes brought in by both ECAs and also um, other lenders or sort of commonly referred to as commercial banks. Um, it's important to remember that some lenders and ECAs and also DFIs may have their own internal standards. Sometimes these standards very closely reflect the international standards. Sometimes they are fairly different, but in any case, they will also apply um, to a project financing and to due diligence form for that project financing. Um, in general, just to pick the equator principles as an example, they require EPFIs to carry out um environmental and social reviews and due diligence that is commensurate with the nature the scale and the stage of the project and its categorization um and indeed similar diligence requirements can be found in other soft law standards as well um increasingly there's also been a focus in soft law standards around due diligence on human rights issues so the equator principles in particular were updated very recently um to include more requirements around that. So we've talked a bit about the role of due diligence um, and also the requirements for due diligence. I mean, obviously there's there's quite a bit of work to do. I wonder, Aileen, who, who, who do you find typically does due diligence in these financings? Is there a role for ENS consultants to play in this? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There is, it is possible. And in some cases, lenders might choose to carry out the due diligence themselves. 
But what we do commonly see, particularly in larger or more complex transactions, is that environmental and social consultants will get involved and they will carry out the ENS due diligence and then will liaise with the lenders and the ECAs to help them to understand the risks and the materiality of those to inform the decisions made by the lenders and the ECAs and how they take the issues forwards. So they play a really, a really key role in transactions um, and it's important to get the consultants on board and starting work as early as possible. That helps ensure that the time frame for the whole transaction isn't held up by any part of the due diligence process. You mentioned that due diligence, um, the international soft law standards increasingly refer to and include requirements about human rights and the issues around that. What other areas of focus do you see being particular issues in ENS due diligence? That's a really good question. I think generally it does depend on the project and it will also depend on the lenders and the ECAs involved. Um, so for example, the project's location, um, the particular size of the project, the work that needs to be done um, in order to facilitate the project as well, not just in operation, but also in construction. However, I think that the key issues that commonly arise um, are with respect to biodiversity. Um, so not just land biodiversity, but water biodiversity as well. Um, if you have a project that's near a shore or, on, or offshore indeed. Um, climate change um, and GHG emissions is another key area for a variety of reasons and we have other series where we talk specifically about you know the effects of climate change or the impact that climate change is having on a number of different areas. Um, indigenous peoples and stakeholder engagement is also another area where issues can arise. Um, so where you have a project that is being built in an area which is typically inhabited by indigenous peoples or a local population um, there will be a need to engage with those peoples and make sure that they understand what the project is intending to do, make sure any concerns that they have are heard as well. Um, and also, obviously, the issues that arise can also be sort of temporal based on what's going on in the world at the moment. So, for example, um, one area that's received a lot of focus recently um, is um, around site visits and ongoing monitoring. Um, so usually you will have um, a site visit during the due diligence phase before signing and you'll and there will be sort of periodic site visits also built into the term sheets um, with respect to operation and construction phase. But what we're finding actually is even at that initial due diligence phase at the moment, it's quite difficult to carry out a site visit due to COVID-19 and all the travel restrictions that come along with it. Um, as we've spoken about in one of our previous podcasts, we are increasingly seeing parties agreeing to remote site visits. What those can look like will depend on a lot of different factors, but mainly on practicalities. Um, so for example, the personnel that are available, the technology that people have, is there you know, a very strong internet connection so that you can walk around with the live stream or would it be a case of taking pictures um, and feeding back and describing what's going on behind the pictures and not having a video? So, so that's an example of an area that's received a lot of focus due, due to sort of, you know, the major, one of the 
made most major issues that's happened in the past year or two. Um, but really, but really, the key areas of focus will depend on the project and and the circumstances surrounding that project. Thank you very much. That's been really interesting. So I think if we were to try and summarise the key takeaways from this chat, I think we're agreed that ENS due diligence is a key tool in identifying potential risks and issues relating to environmental and social aspects of project financings and that it's good to start the diligence process on these as early as possible in the transaction because it ensures that the process can be done and factored into the rest of the transaction processes as required. Do you have anything that you would add to that? Yes, definitely. Um, I think another point is that um, ENS consultants can definitely play a key role in all of this, um, in identifying the issues and also advising on how to manage them. Um, and also that, that diligence can change, you know, depending on the project circumstances. It's not necessarily going to look the same um, in every single situation. So as you said, that's why it's key to do it as early as possible. So you identify risks and issues that, you know, you may not have considered or come up with before. Um, and make sure that they are managed effectively. So thank you, Aileen, for joining. That was a really interesting discussion. I think we've um, produced lots of interesting takeaways as well. Um, thank you to everyone for listening and hopefully we will speak to you soon.